live i think maybe i'm just stalling for this bit just to check if we're definitely live i've swung this about pretty quickly because we're not expecting the show to end as quickly as it did nxt takeover 31 a review slash aftershock here on lop radio and my, my name is matt mayer aka imp and it is half past two in the morning so forgive stutters and random stuff but it's not the latest time in the world so i can bloody get on with it so that's nice my brain's not shutting down i can read my notes <laughs> how nice and that's probably the best way to have taken in this main event because first off there's a few things to get through first uh, this is uh, wrestling headlines uh, radio slash youtube slash whatever and this is aftershock the long running show where we go live immediately following the pay-per-views the specials what have you and i don't normally do nxt takeovers but in covering New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax uh, this week, the fatigue hit and I didn't cover NXT. I also didn't have the time to cover NXT and New Japan, so as, I was doing a run- as I'm doing a running column with Sir Sam, I didn't watch NXT this week, and then I thought, you know what? On the Monday Night Raw review, I said that I'd be covering the NXT show and not TakeOver, and then I thought, well, as I've had to miss the TV show, why not just swap them around and do TakeOver instead? And that's exactly why I'm here now. We've had quite an interesting show, as it was NXT TakeOver 31, live from a converted Capital Wrestling Centre with all screens and lights that WWE could hope for. <laughs> like, bloody hell, was there a sale on at the Spotlight Shop? <laughs> Jesus Christ, if you've seen the uh, the teaser that they did for it, where it's just lights going all over the place, like, bloody hell, <laughs> so many. Uh, I will say... For those not in the know, uh, there was a nice video package at the start of the show on the McMahon history in this building and how important it was, especially to the WWF under Vince McMahon's father. And there's a lot of history with the McMahon family and this building. And uh, if you don't know, like the little callback as well with the mic dropping down, the old school microphone, which they, presumably that's the same style of microphone they used back in the day. And this nice little callbacks like that. I saw some one person tweet in. It's like, oh, what's the what are they doing the boxing thing for? Not not a boxing callback, <laughs> but uh, we all learn together. So there, let's not gatekeep on <laughs> stupid stuff like that. But the main event was a very different. I feel like this was I want to call it a different kind of main event than what you see in WWE. Now my first note is that this felt so much like an ROH main event. By that I mean. Just wrestling with no fear, no in, like other bells or whistles until like after the bell, really. It was just flat out. It was a really well-wrestled wrestling match. And you don't often get that in WWE, even in NXT. Like, I've been so used to that finisher kick-out style main eventing so many shows that it's genuinely a huge thing that they've not done that. Like, it sticks out to me, this match. That it feels different when... This I swear, like when I was getting into Ring of Honor, this was a kind of main main event match I was seeing a lot. And I remember at the time I'd get a little bit kind of bored of them, but now it's different. Like I'm not seeing them that often, and maybe maybe that's what makes it special. <laughs> this kind of match, <laughs> seeing it like this, and again maybe especially after the Adam Cole era, and uh, like I guess it's just finisher kickouts kind of spectacle style. And this was a lot more kind of grounded and, I guess, fit calling back to the wrestling centre as well. It's a nice little thing. And, yeah, kind of liked it. Uh, overall, I normally uh, give my overall thoughts on the show so you kind of know what you're getting into before I get into the bit piece by piece. But, overall, this NXT takeover bloody flew by. <laughs> I was not ready for it to fly by as quickly as it did. And, again, maybe that's just because... I've not done an NXT TakeOver Aftershock before, so might have been prepared if I had, but doing the WWE TakeOvers, that's what I'm used to. And they're normally relatively long, and I feel happy when they're under four hours. Like this, two and a half hours this was, <laughs> which is crazy. And like, if it even finished before two and a half hours, like two, it was 2.20 something, my time, which just, it, it just flew so quickly. And I was uh, talking to uh, LOP columnists as uh, guest on this show, 
uh, J. Cole for Vetting Headlines, and I was talking to him about 30 minutes in, and he was having getting child to bed issues. <laughs> so I was informing him how quickly the show was rolling along, and I was it's just like it's absolutely flying by. It's going at a pace which I normally only feel during like indie shows or I guess New Japan for Wrestling as well, where it's like bang, match, match, match. And even though there would have been like an advert or something in the downtime, it was still rolling along at such a pace, which in a WWE style, again with the screen to the people, do I get to the production in a second? It's like, that was refreshing to f- have that kind of feeling a show in a WWE kind of production style. That was refreshing. It was quite nice. It's like something we're used to. I guess two different thing, two different styles that I'm used to kind of meshed together, which really is what NXT kind of is, where it's like the super indie. So if you do like an indie kind of feel mixed in there with the WWE style, that's essentially what you get with NXT. Uh, that's probably why it works, to be fair. <laughs> Using the wrestling of today and moulding it in. What's made me sometimes feel like the wrestling of yesteryear tried to mould that with wrestling of today. And some, quite a lot of time it clashes, sometimes it makes gold. Uh, cough, cough, Drew McIntyre. Cough, cough, Roman Reigns right now. <laughs> it's like, proof it can work, but you get a lot of weird clashes in there as well. Uh, NXT is like a middle ground haven in a way. It's just that it is a develop, it is a developmental at the end of the day. So let's move on to the production before I dilly dally too much. Stay on topic. The overall, I was down with it, and I was joking that uh, with the cage where the cage only went halfway. He's like, you know, Shawn Michaels has had a say on the production when even the cage or whatever it's called, well, even the fence. Is working to crop top rules. <laughs> Only halfway down the top. It doesn't reach the bottom. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting style. It's definitely working. Yeah, I think it's all working fine. Just checking my audio like five minutes in like a pro. <laughs> Again, I went from in a completely different area of the house watching on a completely different area and system suddenly being set up. <laughs> I was like, I've not checked a lot of things. So hopefully it's fine. Uh, it looks fine as well. Also for the YouTube video, I'm wearing darker colours for NXT because they're like black and stuff. So I've got a navy hoodie with a blue t-shirt and that counts as darker colours for me. <laughs> it's normally bright reds and things. That's a tangent. Anyway, so production. The Overall, you got the screen with the fans on it in the background, but it was a flat image rather than, I guess, the kind of depth of field they go for on the main roster at the Thunderdome. It was just a flat wall, which was kind of the flat wall. It went at the angle. So it was the main camera. And then whenever it panned to showing, I guess, the right turnbuckle, then you would see the corner where it kind of went around the wall as well. Uh, I personally quite liked it because around it was darkness. And I see uh, quite a few people, they see the the wall of fans' faces and immediately they're gone. (laughs) Just like done, gone, out of here. But with me... I don't know, it worked for me because there was less going on around it. It's like, yes, there was a weird crop top fence, but it went that went down the plexiglass and kind of stopped at the barricade. But in terms of the way it looked, that meant that below it was dulled, so it wasn't a shiny plexiglass reflecting the screens behind it. The fence dulled it. To be fair, that maybe could have been the reason for the fence. We need something to dull the reflection from the screen on the glass on the plexiglass. Why not just put a dark coloured fence around it? Makes sense. <laughs> Just go with that. And we meant below it was dulled, and above it was pretty much dulled. They had a row of lights above the, I guess, Titantron of people. <laughs> they had a row of lights, but that was it. Around the lights was complete darkness, or at least at most light to dark grey. <laughs> so it wasn't a load of more lights going on. Where you look at the Thunderdome, it's lights flipping everywhere. <laughs> it doesn't north, south, east, west, up, down, northwest, north. It doesn't, like everywhere is lights. It's absolutely crazy. And where there isn't lights, there's pyro or there's lasers <laughs> or something. It's like, no lasers are technically light, but I'm, I'm trying to make it sound like there's so much going on. Uh, with the Thunderdome, it was a lot more subdued, and I felt like I was able to take the fan screen in without it feeling so disorientating. And maybe not having the Kevin Dunn insane level of cuts also helps. But it just felt it felt like a similar idea, just subdued. And that worked so many wonders. <laughs> like a director or a video game author or somebody who's got a producer on the top of them just calming down their mad ideas. Just like, yeah, that's all great, but maybe 
if we tone it down a bit, <laughs> we don't go full crazy like that. We just we feature all of your stuff, just you know, just toned down a little bit. Uh, that's what this felt like to me. Like the Thunderdome just toned down, which I guess is what Full Sail kind of was to main roster WWE, where it's that presentation just toned down a lot, a lot more simplified, a lot less crazy. And I like also the I guess big part as well was the fans that were there. So it was a mixture of I guess NXT performers jumping in to do their normal banging on the plexiglass stuff and the uh, actual fans that were allowed into attendance where uh, I guess I'm talking about production and not mentioning COVID because of course under the current COVID world oh, it's, oh, I'm still not keen on it <laughs> but they had dividers for the fans so they were kind of in sections they weren't all just mingling and they had a performance centre people there as well but I guess my only boy would be there would be a slight mingle between normal folk and performance centre folk when there's been an outbreak at the performance centre. So, like, as long as the people there are fully aware of the danger they're... Te- oh, I don't know. I'm getting into territory that I... <laughs> I'm not, really not the guy to be covering it. But anyway, it's... In terms of production, in terms of how it felt on the show, the people being there was absolutely massive also. Because that means that the only noise isn't meant to be coming from the people on the screens. Where in the Thunderdome, whenever they do the press the button to make the noise, it, it feels, for me, it's Naughty's level of Smackdown. Where the production techniques, where they did the sound uh, from the crowd, kind of just put, over, just put over the top on a separate audio. Where it just blatantly wasn't them. That was outdated when they did that in the Naughties. So when they're doing it now, it fe- it's just like, it's, it's not good. <laughs> the sound mixing is really bad. And... It's one of the things where the only forgiving thing I've got is because of the current era, you're seeing that in all sorts of things. Like over here in the football as well, we've got piped in crowd noises and I can't stand it. <laughs> I think it's crap. <laughs> I really don't, I, I don't get the need for it. But then again with like the specific of football and I guess it works for wrestling as well. If you've watched football or wrestling that isn't just the main big lad, like if you watch football outside of the premiership or even just top level, like, because my brother's doing football coaching, I've watched quite a lot of unders, uh, as in uh, the, uh, that means nothing to Americans. (laughs) I've watched a lot of, I guess, youth football, I guess, but it's like, um, that's 21 and under, so you watch the the players of the future coming up, and uh, in that, obviously, you get smaller crowds as well, and my brother's also into women's football, which is a similar thing, but it's growing. Point being, I've watched football, without a full 20,000-seater stadium, and I've been fine with it. So as soon as it's pandemic hit and suddenly you can't have anybody, and then there's, oh, it's, it's not right without any crowd noise, and they're piping the crowd noise when there's no crowd there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, is it really that bad? Can't you just get used to this new thing? <laughs> just uh, at somebody who in normal times has watched football without massive crowds. Doesn't really take or take away or add anything well, it, adds, it adds something when it's there, but I don't feel like I'm missing a presence when it's not there. So it's a similar feeling when they pipe in a crowd for a show like this. Like I've watched plenty of shows. I've been to shows where not a mass amount of people, and most of them I've enjoyed. <laughs> so it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter that there isn't that mass amount of crowd there. And for the Thunderdome, though. The entire thing is so... I'll get to the show eventually, but the production is like, it's a new thing. So I get to talk about it. The Thunderdome, the entire show is so overly produced that I'm fine with it. Because everything is so overproduced that the crowd noises being piped in fits with that. It's another overproduced kind of cog to the insane level that they're working at. And I'm fine with that. That's I've got no gripes with it. I personally don't like the noise. I think it's not very well mixed. I, I just, it takes me out of it more than it adds to it. Like this week on Raw where it was Drew McIntyre's cutting his promo and the sound levelling is just off. It's that kind of thing. Like working out the kinks where if it's background atmosphere, it can work. But when it's when they're trying to get it like it's fans chanting where the fans would be interacting with the show in a little way. So they're kind of battling for each other. I've just realised I've left a... Twitter handle on there, which I got messaged ages ago, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm just going to take this off the screen. Is this the right one? Yeah, it is. Let's get rid of that and that. Don't know why that was there. Yes, I accidentally left Jekyll's Twitter handle on when he's 
and messed me hours ago <laughs> that I wouldn't be here. Anyway, anyway, yeah, so the, with that sound, the sound is a big one for me. I know a lot of people are fine with sound and like, it they can't, they don't really mind it. But for me, sound is a massive of a additional subtractor. And for WWE, it's during this kind of era where they're testing this stuff out. It's a massive subtractor for me. Like, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, the, for me, the kinks are blatantly there. And in the past, they never ironed them out. So I'm not expecting them to. I'm expecting this quality of mixing to be their level of quality of mixing. And it's also translated over to NXT TakeOver. And that's where my kind of bigger gripe comes in. Where you've got the organic fans. They're there. But you, they're like, well, we also need to play the audio from the screen fans, which is the same audio cues used for the Thunderdome. I say audio cues. I meant it's the exact same audio files pressed on play. They haven't got like a full sale tape of audio. It's the same audio. So regardless of venue or whatever, it's the same audio played on the Thunderdome that played here. My least favourite showed up a couple of weeks ago, where it's the bum 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 or bum bum bum. Bum, when they're trying to, it's like a crack and a stomp in their feet or something, building up the atmosphere, but it's so blatantly just, <laughs> it's just a sound file which is completely separated from all other audio that's playing. It's like, ugh. And I, at times, it, I swear at one time it was messy. I think that it was only in the first match, so they did iron it out, but it was reminding me of, you know, Space Odyssey, where it's got the, it's atonal people just singing and all the notes are clashing and it's meant to be building and building to uh, when you're looking at the black rectangle. So I've really sold space, obviously. Uh, <laughs> bad one there. But yeah, so there, so it's like... <laughs> it's Yeah, that's my space, obviously, impression. So, but it felt like atonal notes clashing just in the background of me watching this wrestling match, and that's usually used to kind of build tension in the background for like a horror film or something. And they that was in the beginning, in my match, I could just hear it in the background, like whatever noises they were playing was clashing with the other audios that were naturally happening. It just felt off. So yeah, so in terms of production, I thought it looked great. I was fine with the way it looked. I hated the audio. <laughs> But the audio from the people there really helped because the really bad, I guess, Thunderdome audio, those sound files, that wasn't the only audio I was hearing. There were the people that were there live banging on the plexiglass, making their normal chants. And as an atmosphere thing, underneath them it worked. But they were, again, they don't play it as an atmosphere fear thing underneath. It's got to be one of the leading tracks, and that's where my issue is. Because you're not good enough at mixing. <laughs> They're not mixed well enough to sound organic at all. So it takes me out of it. It won't do that for everybody. Like in terms of a review of it, like not everybody will care that much. Not everybody will be taken out by it. A lot of people will be able to ignore it. But if you like me, <laughs> and sounds quite a big part of like a viewing experience, then yes, the audio, just like the Thunderdome, will take you out of what you're watching. Because it's not done well. Anyway, uh, the reason I brought up the football was I was making the point of not a lot of entertainment is doing it well. Like most places, they've not figured out how to do the, like it's the audio tracks for the atmosphere organically to a point where, at least over here in the UK on our Sky Sports football, I have the option. Like when I was watching the crazy Liverpool-Aston Villa game earlier, I was able to watch the version without any crowd noise and I can hear all the people shouting and communicating and it's lovely. Uh, so, yeah, to the point where we've got an option to watch it without the sound. Uh, that's, that's the point I was getting to as well. WWE, I don't have that option. <laughs> I don't like it. And I go there and go and just like, oh, it just takes me out. It's <laughs> just a really bad audio. And I understand you can't use the audio from the people, especially with the amount of lag and trying to get them kind of involved and chanting at the right time. Uh, uh, visually, it's difficult, never mind audio-wise. Because you can get pe you can get people with audio, and even if they lag a bit, and it's just the visual, it doesn't really matter. But it's trying to include the audio. That's a, that's another level, <laughs> and it's it's like for me that in terms of like production of things, the audio is the most difficult part because there's so many varieties of what people find annoying and what people find fine. So yeah. Anyway, to, I don't know what I don't know what grade I give the production. 
It's got pros and it's got cons. And not everybody loved it visually, but I did. I thought it was great. I thought it was fine. I thought it was a nice step up without being too much. Uh, the Thunderdome, extremely overproduced, so the overproduction notes work. Whilst with this one, the overproduced audio didn't really fit because the rest of it was toned down. So I would use the Thunderdome noise as a background because in the actual what I'm seeing, they're the background because there's the people in front of them. The people in front of them should be the main noise with the Thunderdome noise kind of as an underlying thing rather than one that takes over. I'm getting production nerdy. <laughs> it's just, I'm just trying to figure out. Well, it did annoy me at times, but why did it annoy me? It makes sense to go into the minute details without saying it's crap, it annoyed me. Because it that's that's <laughs> that, that's not going to do any favours. It's like, go to a bit more specifics. But yeah. Anyway, the actual wrestling. This show flew by. Let's actually take a drink of water before I get into it. Mm. For this surprise NXT TakeOver review, apparently I put more effort into my... Photoshop image for this one than WWE did for their official matches things. If you look up bloody <laughs> Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. I swear I had... Oh, there was one more production thing. I've just remembered because I've not added it to the... To this, if I can add the source from the desktop. Just so I can show you. Uh, if you guys didn't see it, they had faux commentators. There we go. Let's make it a bit bigger. There we can see them right there in the middle. You can't on audio form, but what I'm showing is Vic Joseph with two commentators <laughs> who are stand-ins because uh, Wade Barrett and Beth Phoenix aren't physically there. Assumably, maybe a COVID outbreak thing, maybe a social distancing thing where they can't physically have them there with the amount of stuff they have to kind of crowd around them. Either way, that <laughs> that is a thing. And I was just like, why? Why have you got stand-in commentators? Does it have to look absolutely identical? Let's just get rid of that for now. Like, does it... Nope, clicked on the wrong thing. What have I done? I've, I've clicked a thing up. How do I get rid of that? Oh, I don't know how I get rid of that. Oh. Why is that there? It's gone. Thank God for that. <laughs> anyway, I... Yeah, why is that there? Why, why did they do that? <laughs> it just made me laugh so much. I had no idea why they did that. Uh, let's get it one more time just so I can look at it. So yeah, so they've got Vic Joseph in the middle. Uh, it's an MLW person. Uh, I think Ryan Satin was doing some good research into it, but I can't remember who she was, and I have no idea who the guy on the right was. But it's just... <laughs> why do you need standing commentators? Like, it's it's a COVID pandemic thing. Does it have to look like you've got your commentators there? Like, visually, do you have to have them there so it doesn't look weird? Or, like, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> it's so strange. I don't get it, like, at all. I don't get it. Right, let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> oh my god. So Kyle, let's move on to the match. I've done with it now. Just checking I've actually minimised the thing so you can actually see me. This is, yeah. yeah, that's good, right. Have I opened VLC by <laughs> Anyway, let's get on with the match. Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Championship, the main event. As I said, to me, this match felt so much like a Ring of Honor main event. And I was I was expecting it to maybe kick into a swerve or something, but it didn't. It just it rolled on like a really strong match, and I was again I was fine with that by the end of it. But it was something. It felt different because it's not the style we've been getting in NXT. So seeing a different style was nice. Uh, anyway, so a lot has changed since Takeover Thirty. Like an unfortunate immediate injury to Karrion Cross followed by a COVID outbreak in the Performance Centre. And suddenly, we've got an apparently planned storyline somewhat tracked faster than originally intended. But NXT did a wonderful job building this match this past week. Like, somehow they've done it and made this championship match feel like a big deal. Uh, the interview between the two of them was uh, such high quality. Just They've managed to do it in, like, two shows. So, yeah, congrats, guys. Uh, in the match itself... O'Reilly was cementing his technical style on the match. Like a gradual building affair with both men wearing the other down, wrenching back on arms and whatnot. Which is, again, so different than the style we've been used to, where it's been the Adam Cole style for so long, of like the, you build to your crazy finishers, like extremely high spectacle uh, NXT kind of finale type things, where this was a slow, gradual, technical build. A style which we really haven't seen in the NXT main event. 
I don't know. I felt like some would love it, some would hate it, but I've seen nothing but praise. Maybe it's because I curate my feed on Twitter, so I don't see a lot of negativity coming out. So the type of people who maybe wouldn't like it, I've, I've just been wiped off the face of my Twitter without me doing it on purpose. Um, yes, yeah, sir. I didn't see much negativity, and for some reason I thought I might because it's a different style. And normally with different comes people calling it bad, whether they know they liked it or not. Uh, anyway, so O'Reilly striking Ballard down as soon as he tried to increase the pace as well. Like, really establishing Kyle as a dangerous singles competitor who's damn strong at asserting his pace and style. Like, whether he has momentum or not, you're forced to wrestle him at his style. And for this opening portion, you really felt that. It was like Ballard was trying to fight out of O'Reilly controlling the match. Uh, Ballard finally able to show relentlessness after landing a Stiff spinning kick to O'Reilly's stomach, quite literally knocking all of the wind out the challenger. And the Prince zoned every one of his kicks on that midsection, kicking him at with little mercy. And uh, wanting control, uh, now it was Khan O'Reilly who was in a constant state of fighting back, like landing what he could and seemingly always clutching that stomach, showing the wounds of war with his bloody mouth as Balor progressed into really wearing down with submissions. Finn, corner to corner, stomping on, Ch- on Kyle whilst chatting crap. The ref seemingly coming close to calling uh, uh, O'Reilly unable to protect himself when he catches the champ's boot and lays in the fists. Uh, this happened quite a few times where Finn would be going for something and O'Reilly would just then hook up, <laughs> start just slapping him and chopping him and kicking him. Uh, rebound Larry as well just to cement the swing. After chatting all that crap, Balor found himself once again under that O'Reilly grounder control, getting choked, kicked and twisted like at the start. Uh, fighting back, he was quick to hit his signature moves this time. No faffing about. Nailing the 1916, I want to say. Reverse DDT for a 2. But O'Reilly was still not worn down enough at all to stay down for Finn's climb up for the coup de grace. O'Reilly cutting him off and once again eventually down into a hold in the middle of the ring. Finn Balor almost unable to escape that Kyle O'Reilly match control. But as soon as Balor landed a double stamp on the Undisputed Era man, it all made sense. This what they've been building to. Uh, and it's in, he just rolled out of something and then double stomped onto the stomach. And I'm like, oh, suddenly I get it. <laughs> just that kick. Because Balor didn't seem to go for any stomp type thing at all to the stomach. He was doing like, the stiff kicks and things and chatting crap. I didn't put two and two together until middle of the ring, he just hits a double stomp right on the stomach. It's like, oh crap, yeah. They've really sold how Carnivale's big weak point is the stomach. Finn's bloody finisher. (laughs) And like O'Reilly showing a weak point in one of Finn's biggest areas of offense. It's like, oh, yeah. But as Finn Banner's climbing to the top after the war they've been through, he was now the one bleeding from the mouth. And uh, Barrett was talking about him possibly having a broken jaw or something. He was bleeding He was bleeding more than O'Reilly was earlier, so something's happened internally. As as he climbed to the top with one final yell as he flew with the coup de grace for the win. And that was that. He got him down, he did a double stomp, he hit a second double stomp, and O'Reilly was really clutching his stomach, then he flew down with the coup de grace. That's what got the win. And for me it worked because they set up the stomach and when... Balor was finally able to really hit offence into that stomach. That's when O'Reilly was doomed. And I like that. Uh, Hobbling on one leg thanks to O'Reilly and bleeding a fair bit from the mouth. He got his arm lifted. Also, just a quick note. The way Wade Barrett says Balor's finisher made me laugh. (laughs) And I was really happy before I came on air. uh, Tom Campbell of uh, Cultaholic was just making the joke that he sounds like grass feeder. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was practically one step away from just calling it cut the grass. <laughs> like a northern lawnmower. <laughs> the coup de grace. Cut, cut the grass. Cut the grass. Cut, cut the grass. I saw people taking the miss, mick, mick out of a Will Ospreay promo because he pronounced goat as goat. <laughs> and I was like, ah, yes. Which is dialect. Halfway up the country, the letter T just disappears. So it's not a goat, it's a goat. And you kind of say the T with like a, <laughs> like a like a bit of air gets stuck in your throat. It's a goat. And it never comes out. 
Vitae Pomini is put an apostrophe. It's a goat. That's how you say it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it cut cut the grass. <laughs> is how Wade Barrett says coup de gras because he's from Preston and he's weird. Uh, and it, after the match, a thing happens, and that's the best way to describe it. After the match, Balor limps over to his opponent, helps him up in a show of respect, and the medium like. Hmm. The NXT logos come up on the bottom. Hmm. <laughs> and obviously, a thing happens. A Ridge Holland appears ringside and dumps Adam Cole over the barricade, just to the gra- to the ground below. Fish and O'Reilly run out to call for help as the show goes off the air with Finn Balor in the ring with Kyle O'Reilly, undisputed era friends, just looking down at Adam Cole. Saying, well, what's that all about then? And that's how it ends. I don't know. I was expecting, and there was a lot of big expectation of, well, this will this be like an undisputed era, like semi shift over to Balor Club, or will we see certain people face turned, or what? Will we see undisputed era members turning each other? Maybe it's not necessarily a Balor Club thing. And the answer was none of that. So unless it's a very slow burn in which Holland is working with them, unless that's the case, because again, whenever it, with it's still an XT. But that's still WWE, and I still, in my head, think whenever I see a thing happen, it's more blatant than I'm able to, f- to um, straight out see it. Whilst with someone like New Japan and AEW, where they go for the slower build and, and subtlety actually exists, I'm, sometimes I take a step back and just remind myself not to read too much into it. But with this, I don't know what to read into. <laughs> where a man from Yorkshire, Ridge Holland, he just dumped Adam Cole over the barricade assuming having beaten him up why did he do that that's all I've got <laughs> is it a, uh, is it anything to do with Undisputed Era maybe splitting off is it anything to do with Finn Balor was it random whatever it felt weird it was a, it's an odd kind of end to the show I guess it shifts NXT to near, new era somewhat because new Ridge Holland's new <laughs> I guess uh, it's, it was an odd one I not entirely sure what to read into that. But that's how the show ended. And I was already halfway out the door moving all my stuff downstairs to go live. So I wasn't mentally kind of sitting there take, taking everything in, trying to figure it out. Hmm. Next up, I'm going to go to the NXT Women's Championship match before then the three afterwards I do from the start of the show. It's the two matches people want to talk about the most, so I'll blast through them so... The people who only want to pay attention to the I guess, big matches at the start, they can piss off <laughs> after this one and then tune back in later. But the NXT, not tune back in later, but they, they can miss the match they don't really care about. Uh, you've watched enough by this point anyway. Like, the algorithm's happy. Anyway, the NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. And th- things I liked immediately, took more stuff in terms of production. The lights went down and the mic came down from the ceiling, old school style for our main event championship matches. That both these both these last two matches it did it for. It's really as the occasion, and the main event itself got the the steel cage is lowering kind of dun 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 dun. Uh, they got that music as they were walking out, and I'm certain NXT's used that exact music before and that done that technique before, so it wasn't too alien for me. I will as I'm. I've not quite got to the match yet, but we'll be getting to the match in a second, so I will get rid of my friends and bring up the lasses for the next match. The... Yeah, so, yeah. Eosh Survivors is kind of slow. Let's actually get on to the match. Two of the best wrestlers going today. These two showed everyone how it's done. Fantastic. The ending was a bit shenanigan lots of stuff going on, people just running in, stuff happening... It felt more main roster than it did NXT, but what came before it was great. Oh, sorry, oh, it's, an, it's an odd one. It's an NXT match with a WWE ending. <laughs> what do I call? How do I call that? Oh, it's a weird one. You can sense sometimes that the new creative behind NXT, you can sense it exists when you watch a match like this and it's just shenanigans all over a match involving these two, where you're pretty certain in the past this wouldn't have happened just because it's not the type of booking that we did see in NXT, and you do see in the main roster, and now we are seeing it in NXT. Yeah, and I don't know whether to attribute that to NXT is now in a TV era, so with that comes set-up stuff like this, or or not or not certified endings or whatever, or is it because of the new creative that's coming? 
which is more main roster people within it. I don't know. But this match was building nicely with Candice taking her time getting into the match as Io tried to assert as champion. Just playing it calm and eventually finding her counter in with a Brett's rope draped backbreaker which she put the all, her all into. But before that, like, Io would hit one move, she'd roll to the outside and just like, like no, I'm going to take my time. Like like a Naito expert. Like a Senayo. Just stay calm. Just <laughs> stay calm. A uh, tactic that worked to perfection at the start, as she was able to enter a nice run of control afterwards, wearing the champion down and forcing her to fight back in, leading to a damn great, uh, a, a damn great increasing back and forth pace. Uh, neither last able to hit more than two moves before getting countered. Often with that including the counter itself. So we counter move, then you get countered. Then they hit a move and you count them back. <laughs> but the pace just wouldn't end. It was like bang, 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 bang. That's it. It's like counter, move, counter, move, counter. And it went on for minutes. <laughs> it was just, and Vic Joseph, by, by the end of it, was just questioning like where the two of them were getting their adrenaline from. And I'm just so impressed at this never halting pace. Like move, counter, move, counter. Just going at such a rate. Larey won the exchange in the end after they both nailed German suplexes on each other and she was able to follow up by nailing a lion salt only for a half, only for two. I said half pin, that's not a thing. <laughs> only for two. Uh, LeRae was going to wear down the champion as she went for, it's like her version of, of the Gargano escape, but I don't know what she actually calls it. Uh, maybe it's just that. Io never giving up though and LeRae accidentally caught the champion on the four count as Io had made it to the ropes, and she's holding on to the four count, and in the end just goes, and kind of yanks back. And it was like an actually good version of the KO Alistair Black spot from Raw this week, where Alistair Black does a really weak elbow into the ref who stumbles back a bit, and it's like, oh, well, I've got to DQ you then. <laughs> While I was in this, it's because it's clearly an accident. Why would you DQ for that? It, the referee goes, not down, but it's not enough to take him out, out uh, which the logic still stays there. So the ref was down and Io was able to counter Candice after that little distraction and goes to the moonsault where with the way this match was going, of course, Candice avoided it. But the ref then got caught again as the moonsault. Io landed in differently than how she'd like to and hit the ref <laughs> in the falling backwards. So out of the ring he goes. Uh, Candice with a nice, uh, vicious stomp down to the champion. When Gargano runs down, putting on a referee shirt, and he only counts the two in an absolute shock from the Gargano household. And way about some commentary, just like, I'm not sure that that would have meant anything anyway. Like, he's not a referee. <laughs> putting on a shirt doesn't make him a referee, no matter what random main roster pay-per-views say. <laughs> if anyone remembers that, oh, was it Bailey who did it? I'm pretty certain it was Bailey. Just put on a referee shirt, counter slashes pin, and up she went. And they were like, oh, it's controversial. Oh, they've done that. Oh, the heels, they've been controversial. And everyone at home was just like, no, she's just lost via count out is what's happened. <laughs> Sasha's just up and left. She, yeah, she's lost. No, it's not a thing. <laughs> Why is this suddenly a thing for this pay-per-view? Like, NXT, it's seemingly, it's taken main roster tropes, but then still used them somewhat logically. So even though it's like a rapid fire of stuff, the referee getting knocked down, the person putting on the referee shirt. It's all the shenanigans, but that they at least work and make sense. <laughs> like, yeah, of course, Gargano's three count wouldn't mean anything. He's not a referee. He's just put a shirt on. <laughs> like, of course, it was a complete accident when Candice Array accidentally hit the referee when she was letting go after the four count out of frustration. Like, yeah, like no, no qualms there. Like, it might be a bit of irritation between the two, but you're not getting disqualified. Makes sense. But as the referee gets up, Johnny sneaks in the NXT Women's Championship behind his back and gets it to Candice, runs distraction for his wife to nail her opponent with the title, but it only gets a two count with the champion kicking out and both, both Gargano's going crazy with how is that the case. But Shirai fights back once again and ends up nailing Larey with a Spanish fly off the top rope, which looked amazing. And with such fluid movement, pops right back up into the moonsault and springs backwards, landing perfectly for the three. And I like that little ending. There's a lot of shenanigans and I'd call it very un-NXT. 
but the shenanigans again. They were shenanigans that made sense and didn't make me question life. <laughs> just yeah, with the main roster, the amount like on pay per view, the it's like they're overthinking it and trying to be original with their shenanigans. But NXT, I think this was if you're gonna do shenanigans, this is a better way to do it. Like they didn't break the universe, they didn't make the people at home just start questioning what the rules mean. <laughs> it's just that yeah, the, the rules made sense. It was just very shenanigans-y, which is. A shame for Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai for the level of ending they could possibly do without all those bells and whistles. Didn't really need them. And I can see why people would be a bit annoyed, but I thought it was fine. It was all right. Like, this NXT TakeOver ended up feeling a bit like a set-up TakeOver for whatever comes next. Uh, well, no, it's Halloween Havoc, technically. That's a thing. That's a spoiler for what's coming up next. <laughs> well, not coming up next. It's coming up earlier. Actually, you know what? I've bloody mentioned it by accident. Where have I got? I swear, no, I've not added it. <laughs> I saved a picture of the promo. And I've not added it as a source, so who cares? Now at 20 past three in the morning. <laughs> but yes, Halloween Havoc is going to be happening. We've got a Shotzi Blackheart jump scare <laughs> telling us that it's happening on the 28th of October. I might add the source when I get to it in the actual running order. But yeah, decent match, which was building really nicely. Then shenanigans happened and... The flow of the ending was amazing. Just the Spanish fly then into the moonsault was so incredibly fluid with so much force that I don't really know <laughs> what to complain about there. It was just full of shenanigans. So, like, do be warned, you don't get your building like all purely in the ring wrestling epic. You, you get it full of heel shenanigans, uh, which for some people is immediately marked down was. I'm fine with it. You're trying to get heat. I'm, I get it. I'm not going to cry about it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was it was great. Uh, a bit of running nonsense, but it was fun. Uh, on the screen behind EO, like on the main camera where the Titantron fans are, appears Tony Storm, cutting a promo to her phone, seemingly. And she's back in NXT. Didn't put two and two together, where uh, she's uh, currently dating Juice Robinson from New Japan for Wrestling, formerly CJ Parker in NXT. And he's returned to New Japan. So he's currently back wrestling in a different country, in Japan. And I didn't put two and two together that, well, assumedly, does that mean that Tony Storm was also good? If she can get into America? The answer was yes. <laughs> and as soon as I did, I was not expecting it at all. Didn't put two and two together. Didn't even consider, like, oh yeah, of course she can. <laughs> that makes sense. And NXT's women's division very quickly becomes stacked. So we get that announcement and she's back in NXT. And the folk crowd cheer, like, hey... When we suddenly cut to that green robe over his night camera thing, <laughs> promoing somebody returning at this show, a two-time NXT champion, which limits it down to very few people. And I think it was like Bo Dallas, Samoa Joe, or Ember Moon. Who is it? And obviously, after Io Shirai, we follow. It's somebody on a motorbike, and they enter the arena, and we cut to the arena. It's like, oh, they're coming in. Who is it? And out on the ramp comes somebody wearing a helmet, they remove it, and it's Ember Moon on the stage. Ember Moon makes her return to NXT after a main roster run where they clearly had no idea what to do <laughs> with Ember Moon. And it comes back to NXT where they did have an idea. And she can actually be something. But suddenly, with all, like, yes, you had Ray Ripley like, in the wings, but also you now got Tony Storm and you've got Ember Moon. It's like, well, suddenly this division. Come so stacked once again. Just when they've, like, they've lost Mia Yim and they've lost Mercedes Martinez, they get Tony Storm and they get Ember Moon. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the division's fine. And it's like everyone returning to say hello to champion EO. Like, everybody wants to face EO. Like, in the words of Tupac, who all eyes are on her. Obviously, his is all eyes on me, but all eyes on her. <laughs> I suddenly realised oh wait it doesn't make sense if he's talking about someone else <laughs> and that was that didn't matter I thought the reference was probably fine so, yeah but all eyes on EO with the amount of people now stepping up to challenge her it adds prestige to her title where you see so many people want her title it's like yeah it adds prestige to it that the reason they're wrestling her or they're getting interviewed with her is because they want to become champion not because relationship stuff or whatever I've never been a fan of the soap opera stuff you see on the main roster I I'm a simple man. Uh, we've got a backstage, backstage interview after this with uh, Ashante Adonis. Uh, I guess I just want to say a quick note before I go to the start of the show that 
yeah, that man's got some skills on the mic, as he uh, said why he came out during the Cruiserweight match earlier, is that he decided to come out and help beat them faster than an Amazon delivery. Because, you know, they beat people. <laughs> Maybe not. Anyway, I'm going to take another sip of water. I can feel the throat getting dry. And then I'm going to go through the three matches that started the show. Mm. Tasty, tasty water where now, because it's October, it stays chilled. Don't know if that's a thing in America. but I mean, America's such a big place, it's probably a thing in Nebraska, but not in Florida, <laughs> I'd assume. Uh, the North American Championship... Damien Priest versus Johnny Gargano kicked off the show. And talk about kicking off TakeOver 31 in style. This was a solid, solid match. A clear size advantage for the champion. Gargano having to use his smarts and athleticism, like grabbing Priest's arm and pulling him off of the apron with a thud before following up with a dive. Smarts and athleticism. Uh, Priest was fighting back against NXT's Wiley veteran, that man is yet another surprisingly agile bloke for a man his size. Like, himself showing his smarts as he started to counter Gargano as the match went on. Like, even stalling his disaster kick to stop Johnny from catching him. Or, uh, like, the archer himself able to get his own back, kicking the fella off the apron in a reverse of the spot earlier. Gargano himself entered a string of offence, taking the mick out of the priest with the bow and arrow pose as well. But Priest wasn't losing that easy. Like fighting back again and again and stopping Gargano's attempt to nail the one final beat sling DDT. Like stopping it right in its tracks. Himself then slinging the lad round into until he was in the perfect position for the South of Helen sit down chokeslam. Uh, spot looked fantastic. A massive swing back to Johnny after a huge spot where Gargano was on the outside. And Priest flew... This is like the big main spot of the match, which set us straight to the ending. Gargano's on the outside, and Priest flew out over the ring post, or at least right next to it, and he went, he went to dive to land on his opponent. But the smaller lad moves out of the way and pulls two production staff into harm's way instead. Oof! The taker spot! <laughs> taker spot from WrestleMania against HBK, where he pulls the cameraman in. But instead, this was Johnny Gargano pulling two production crew members who are not holding anything, really, just able to then catch him. And it, it looks great. <laughs> Especially as Priest is a lot younger than Taker when he does it, so he's assumably more agile. And uh, Gargano reigned the next portion of the match, trying to wear the champion down, but he was never able to finish him off. Like, not even using all the chaos to land a low blow was enough. Not even kicks galore and locking in the Gargano escape that wasn't enough for either. Uh, in the end, after even more kicks, he went for the one final beat DDT one more time. But after slinging over, Priest caught him, draped him on the second rope and span him round with the reckoning off that second rope. And Damien Priest retained. Awesome ending. Putting his jacket back on to pose like a badass as the light kind of dimmed down. And he does his bow and arrow thing. I've not really got enough room <laughs> to do it. But from Nottingham, I'm bloody doing the bow and arrow thing. As I said, proof then, I said Nottingham with no T's. <laughs> T's do not exist in this word. <laughs> Nottingham. Anyway. <laughs> Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. Or as I've written in the rest of my notes, uh. So, uh, comes out as Doc Brown. Kushida attack. I will just note that, uh, like, I'm covering the G1 Climax. So I'm getting kind of used to watching somebody, like in Will Ospreay. Where in watching him, I've I've described it in my the column this week that went up yesterday or the day before on the like the weekly roundup of the G1 climax that I'm writing with Sir Sam, and in that I put that it like I can I'm watching the Will Ospreay things and I can say yeah the matches are good but as I'm watching them I've got like a Telltale video game I've just got the imp will remember that just notification just in the corner of the screen as I'm watching. Velveteen Dream is the same, but worse. Because he's like generally been accused of a pretty bad thing, whilst Will Ospreay was an ex repeatedly really bad handling of somebody else doing a really bad thing. I guess like he himself has handled it horrifically, and then continued to handle it horrifically, and then did a pretty bad bat black blowing thing. But Velveteen Dreams is like bad, 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 and I've got that notification that I cannot enjoy watching him wrestle. And in terms of like me watching a show for enjoyment, whenever I see him currently, my enjoyment isn't there. 
I can't I can't just ignore <laughs> the outside of what's happened on the telly, telly screen stuff with Elton Dream. I have that telltale notification. Imp will remember that. And I can't enjoy his matches. That, that's kind of... In terms of trying to enjoy the product, that's pretty much it. Like, as an act on my television, on my wrestling variety show, cannot enjoy him. Hmm. Yes, I can recognise he's a very, very good wrestler, but this has absolutely nothing to do with that. Like, nothing at all. And seemingly, every single time uh, Triple H tries to answer a question from the press on this, he gets more backlash than he actually saves. Uh, like, it's, surely there's a PR guy there who's helping them out with this. Like, right? <laughs> surely? On a matter this serious, surely there's a PR guy there, rather than, no, I've got loads of experience talking to the press. Like, this is quite a high up there serious thing, like, You'd surely want advice on something at this level. I get the just because I get the impression they're not, and it just kind of catches me by surprise that they're not taking PR advice because surely they should be. Uh, but Kushida was the story of this match, and that was the bright part of this. And they used uh, to really give Kushida a boost. And the way Kushida was presented himself and carried himself in this match was like a really, really big deal. Kushida comes across as extremely dangerous, showing no remorse as well when you get him to this level. And uh, that was shown from right from the bell where Kushida attacked before it. <laughs> and targeting the arm with aggression, ruthless aggression. Uh, Dream's usual, I said Dream, uh, normally, I said to call him Earth for the rest of this. Uh, Earth's usual attempts to get in his opponent's head, seemingly having little effect when it came to the Japanese star who, whenever possible, just kept going after that arm with force, driving Dream's arm into the ring post twice before drop-kicking the steel steps hard into it for a third beat. Like, Ur had his moments, like, small moments of fighting back, but got caught again and again by the man with one sole focus. A, like, a purple Rainmaker elbow got caught right into an armbar. A powerbomb kicked out right into an armbar. Like, Again, into the ring post. And everything, it was solely focused on that one thing. All meaning that when uh, like finally was able to get Kushida down and go for a Purple Rainmaker, he wasn't able to follow up because he lands it and he's in immediate sheer pain because the amount of work that Kushida's done. And he goes for a third attempt at the moon. First one got caught into an armbar. Second one he landed, but he was just in too much pain. He goes for a third, but Kushida meets him on the top rope and flips over backwards into the hoverboard lock, or whatever it's called in the NXT. I'm just going to keep calling it the hoverboard lock. Uh, he had a lot more Back to the Future, like like blatant ties back in uh, New Japan. So, you know, hoverboard lock and all that stuff. And uh, like a great end as well, where... He would, uh, tried to break out with a Dream Valley driver because he's got the hoverboard lock in and he lifts him up onto his shoulders to rotate over with a Dream Valley driver, which he does. He does rotate over, but Kushida doesn't let go and then just wrenches back even more and the man taps and Kushida wins and looks like a badass in the process. And that's before we get to the ending <laughs> where it's a move that normally takes people out and Kushida's just, nah, <laughs> just holds on to the move. Uh, the, the bit after the match was nice too, where Kushida was looking over his shoulder as the referee lifted his arms before running right back and wrenching back his arm to cause some real damage. Like, refs have to break him off. Like, like is that dream out for a while? Or a really strong way to show Kushida's aggression? Or both. Like, at least you've shown Kushida's aggression. You've gotten that over. And the ref, like the commentators, sorry, playing it off in their normal, like, oh, this is like really horrific that Kushida would go to this level to do that sort of thing. Whilst my Twitter's like, get in there, Kushi, <laughs> get in there. <laughs> a slightly different tone from what was on the, what was being presented audio in my head to what was that. And this is when we got Imp stalling for time, stalling for time. Show the thing. There it is. There's the thing. Let's make it bigger. It's not quite the same. Oh, I can make this full screen. It's higher quality than I thought it was. <laughs> the Halloween Havoc with uh, Shotzi Blackheart with the jump scare on the 28th of Acto October. It says hosted by Shotzi Blackheart. So, yeah, maybe that's a thing. I, I wasn't paying attention to that. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was not paying attention. But yeah, uh, lots of people were very, very excited. Me didn't start watching wrestling properly till the mid 2000s, having 
sparingly watch the odd stuff at my friend's house for like the three, four years beforehand. Uh, my introduction story, my introduction was WrestleMania 17 at my friend's house on the VHS that he had, and just drip fed until 2005 when I properly started watching. Had the video games and things, but drip fed <laughs> essentially. So I knew all the wrestlers, but I didn't watch the show because I had SmackDown shut your mouth. And that was my wrestling game. Like, no here comes the pain. No, just bring it. That's the one I had. <laughs> and I had had that one for years until I started watching wrestling. So I got whatever game came out in 506. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from that tangent to the final match of the show. So I can get to bed and, and I can get to sleep before it's 5am. Because that would be nice. I've got to make the podcast version after this. <laughs> so, you know, bed and stuff. The I've not changed the image, have I, since the women's match. So that's great. What, what even is the next match on my list? I don't even know. Which says everything. Let's see if I can find it. So I go from Leray, Candice and that, to Gargano and Priest, to... There we are. Bloody found it. There we go. Uh, awesome podcast thing as well. <laughs> this happens every show. Well, I will start it all hopeful and things, and I'll remember to change it for the first match, and I just rattle on and just don't change the image. <laughs> so that's great. But the final match of the show with the correct image. The NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Shout out to Rich Latter, a uh, multiple time guest on this show, and I've guested on uh, One Nation Radio as well. Uh, James Boyd, I have uh, on this show quite often, is the uh, like co-host on One Nation Radio. But shout out to Rich Latter, who's been uh, helping produce Swerve's, uh, working as producer on Swerve's latest music. So, uh, huge deal. <laughs> he's doing for like that so uh, awesome that that's been happening for him anyway just thought I'd give that shout out before we move on to the wrestling the it's great to see the Cruiserweight Championship on this stage like I guess it's a benefit of more regular takeovers and TV specials there's more opportunities for this kind of stage and we've got Halloween Havoc coming up so there's another one at the end of the month just quick fire just stuff happening which gives more opportunities to be on which is really for me, that's how you should do it, rather than rotating the same names. Like, no, you've got more opportunities to feature people at different levels. Like, there's no Tomasa Champo on this show. He's not injured, they're just building something, so you don't have to feature him. But, like, in this match itself, Swerve was taking it to Escobar. Like, flying early with a corkscrew moonsault and Plancha Black. Back off the feet. <laughs> Plancha backflipping, that's hard to say. <laughs> Plancha back flipping out perfectly onto the champion. I put perfectly afterwards, that's not helpful for me. <laughs> Escobar really did not have that much in the way of initial control, gradually fighting his way back in and diving on the contender to truly assert it. I want to give Plancha back flipping out perfectly. I want to give that another go. Nailed it that time. Um, but yes, that Escobar didn't have much in terms of initial control and was... And eventually found his way back in. But after some attempted grounding, Swerve was back on top. Like, within time, once again, uh, kicking Escobar down on the outside before jumping back in to attempt a pin following a rolling thunder flatliner. Like, so much offence from the challenger. That was my notes for, like, the first half of this match. Like, Swerve got in so much offence. It was, like, just thing after thing after thing. that like, he had Escobar's number, who was really struggling. Like, Escobar again... Attempts to cut off Swerve and fails, like stopping the man from hitting something from the second rope, or sorry, something from the top. Soon finds himself draped on the second rope in the corner and hit with a, I think it was another rolling, jumping, spiked DDT. Like finally, his stable mates come out to help him, but he can't score the three from it. <laughs> like, so finally, Escobar's stable mates come out to kind of counter the just full swing of Swerve and they get. It doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> he doesn't win from it. Uh, Swerve off the back of that hits an awesome Rana off the rope to the outside with Escobar on the second rope and he then pops off the turnbuckle Rana to the outside. But Mendoza and Wild caught the man enough for him to be perfectly fine when a friend runs out to help Swerve, and immediately I'm like, was has this man, was he on NXT this week? Is he 205 Live? Like, I missed the show, so I had no idea who that man was, and I've even got to scroll down to my notes to remember that he's a Shantae Adonis. <laughs> I did recognise the name when I properly caught it for the interview. So I was like, oh yeah, I have featured him on NXT, I just forgot. So, 
is it a two and five live thing? Have I did I just miss NXT this week? So didn't know who he was specifically for this show. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, the two lads enter a fray, as in back in the ring with Escobar and Swerve. They enter a fray of being completely shocked at their inability to put the other one away as the crowd seems to come to life. Not forgetting this time, there's actual crowd members there as well. Because, yeah, again, you've got Thunderdome crowd. It's like a mixture of everything. Thunderdome crowd with their fake audio. You've got the people bashing the plexiglass doing their, I guess, whatever button's been pressed to tell them what to, noise to make. And you've also got the people who are generally there as fans. Like, it's just such a mix <laughs> of everything. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so they are in the ring and they just cannot put the other way. Like, Escobar with a driver wasn't enough. Swerve with a 450, not enough either. Like, nor his last shot kick. Like, after such an even match, they're dueling on the ring apron to the like near side of the main camera. And... In the end, it was somewhat a chance fall that decided it all. Uh, on the ring apron, Escobar pushed Swerve back off of him and the man fell down and glanced his head on a turnbuckle grip exposed right at the start of the match. And Cini just lies there looking a bit dazed immediately. Escobar notices, immediately drags him in and hits an under underhook like driver onto Escobar's knee and gets the three and Swerve possibly could have just been hit with anything and pinned because he was not loopy by falling onto that exposed uh, turnbuckle grip. Uh, and that gets the match. Like, gets the match. I guess the win. <laughs> Great match with a winner by complete chance rather than like blatant cheating or dominated string of offense. Like, in terms of heel shenanigan wins, I don't mind this one. It's a bit more creative and inventive than any normal stuff. And he won. He, he has lost and he wins by complete chance and then just nails him with a decent move for the win but and and swerve got to show his strength because escobar wasn't crap for the entire match he had his strings of moments like in that final string where they just both were shocked that they didn't put the other man away escobar has to hit his bloody moves to enter that bit <laughs> but for the majority of it escobar was taking offense from swerve be that because they were elevating swerve to make him feel like a genuine contender or if it, because like, they were painting Escobar as a beatable champion if it's not for these odd things. Like, if, it only, only, if only it weren't for the other two men. If only it weren't for the fact he's got quite smart, quite high-level intelligence and will set things up for later. Because that's what that thing was with the turnbuckle. Escobar exposed that in the first place. Yes, he didn't have a lot of say, but I said it was by chance. Did he remember? Because I didn't remember. I was like, oh, that's... Oh, that's lucky. <laughs> it was how I took that. So I'll just like capitalise on that. Yeah, and he did. Anyway, that was a, I guess, a hot match in the middle of the show where I wouldn't say I was super invested in the characters, but the match itself was great. And I've got a pre-WWE interest in Swerve. Uh, yeah. I really, really rate his work, I guess, in Lucha Underground especially, but uh, as... Strickland as well because I, th I was a bit scared when he came to WWE that they'd take away his kind of s the swerve part of him and change it into something for them but no they've like, they've really zoned in on the swerve instead <laughs> it's come a m bigger bigger focal point to him uh, but yeah it's nice to see the Cruiserweight Championship just featured on this stage and I've, I've gone over an hour I wanted to keep it at an hour but I failed a tad so it makes sense for me to sign off now to say adios in my darker colours uh so thank you for listening, and what did you make of NXT TakeOver 31? Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at the damn Implicat. If you're watching on YouTube, it's on the screen right underneath my name. I need to make a much higher quality thing than literally just text. <laughs> That's there. Make a nice little box for it or something. I will be back on Tuesday for the Raw review, because life never ends. And I my alarm is going off relatively soon <laughs> to make sure I'm definitely operational to cover New Japan with Sir Sam and that, that column will be up on Friday slash Saturday again uh, at the end of this week because wrestling never ends <laughs> yeah that's right for me now it's the morning where it's going to be New Japan soon it's like get to bed imp <laughs> get to bed uh, but so I'll be back on Tuesday and then hopefully on Thursday for the NXT review as well you can read my column going on about New Japan Carmax at the end of the week also uh, Sir Sam and J. Cole did a top 
matches of the top NXT matches of the Wednesday night era, or the Wednesday night war era. They did the top top matches of NXT of this current era. Uh, that's currently up. That went up last Thursday. So if you want to go read that as well, it's some NXT coverage. Uh, Hustle has posted his running diary on NXT Takeover. If you want to go read that as well. And here on the LOP YouTube, LOP on Wrestling Headlines YouTube, there will be the normal just run of stuff and podcasts and what have yous. And oh, the Miss Fan has Global Revolution. If you had an interview with somebody, <laughs> I'm going to be. Pro- Let's just, I'm going to read professionally to go to the website and remember who it is they've had an interview with so I can promote it. Interview is with Razorwing. There we go. You may remember him uh, from What's the Magic? <laughs> Shikara. Why did I forget the name Shikara? <laughs> anyway, so yes, uh, interview with Razorwing, which, which went up recently. So if you're into Shikara, that's an interesting name. Anyway, I'm wrapping up now. My eyes are blurry, so I need to press the buttons so as I can still see them. So with that, I say thank you for listening. Uh, please like, subscribe, rate the show five stars or what have you. I should say this earlier on so people actually do it instead of the end of the show where most people have stopped listening. <laughs> so with that, I say adios. I was going to do another tangent. Let's not. <laughs> with that, I say adios. Ten.